We are in the middle of a series entitled Living Well out of the book of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9, which is known as the prologue of Proverbs. And the rationale behind this, if you haven't been with us for this series, is that we are resurrection people and that we've been infilled by God's spirit. We've been called to live the new way of, of, of the, the new creation life, of new humanity that's been put back together and restored to what we were always meant to be. And that part of that being put back together is that we would begin to live according to the way that the world is structured and designed and built, respecting its boundaries and living within those boundaries to flourish and find true life and freedom, which is, in short, the way of wisdom. And so in our post-resurrection season of Eastertide and now continuing on into ordinary time, we're taking up this study to look at the book of Proverbs and ask, so what would it look like to live wisely or to live well? This kind of practical skill for living that marks the way of wisdom. And we've looked over the last several weeks at different small glimpses of what the wise life entails. The first thing we saw was that it entails giving up the one golden calf of the culture, which is our autonomy. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That to start there is the starting place for anyone to make any progress, an inch even, on the way of wisdom requires that we acknowledge that there's a God in the world who made the world, who made us, and that we give up our sense of freedom to do whatever it is that we want or whatever it is that feels good And we start to reckon with his reality in this world and in our lives. Then we saw the the importance of loving wisdom. That the language of Proverbs 1 through 9, through the lens of a young man seeking a wife, touches these kinds of sexual and erotic desires, kind of ultimate desire, to show us that the love for wisdom that we're called to have is a love that's supposed to come from the depth of our heart. It's deeper than the love that you have for your spouse or your fiancé or etc. It's that kind of intensity. So love her, we looked at. And then we looked at seek, that we're called to seek. If you love something, you will seek it. So with priority, with intensity, with the duration of our lives, we're called to kind of orient ourselves to wisdom because it doesn't just kind of come out and tackle us. As much as wisdom makes herself plain through all of the world and all situations, wisdom still requires that we pursue it pursue her and so we talked about seeking then we talked about avoiding evil the kind of opposite of wisdom and really unpacking the lie that I can handle evil I can handle a little bit and that evil in some ways is good for me because that's always the lie of doing things on our own terms it's always like this is going to taste good feel good it's going to do you good that's always the temptation and so we kind of exposed those lies and said no this is this is a call to avoid those things And then last week, we came back and looked at the idea of trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Maybe the most famous verse from all of Proverbs, and lean not on your own understanding. And we talked about trusting God, basically recognizing that only by placing our lives in God's hands are we guaranteed safe passage through the challenges and difficulties of life. That that's the only surefire way to make it from point A to point B, using the metaphor of a a suspension bridge across a gorge. This is the way that we travel. And we talked about the need to trust God in circumstances where we don't feel like it's necessary because everything is going well, and in circumstances where we don't feel like it's possible because everything in our life seems to be going wrong and poorly. And we talked about that the need for us to place our trust in him in every circumstance, at every moment, because this is the way forward. So tonight, what's the word? Well, first of all, happy Father's Day. 
there perhaps could be no better verse than the verse that we're looking at tonight. And I didn't plan this for Father's Day. Proverbs 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. That's a great Father's Day verse. Uh, the word tonight is hear. Hear. Listen. Verse 10 of Proverbs 4. Hear, my son, and accept my words. And lest I leave out the mothers, verse 8, chapter 1, hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. So this is an exhortation. This is the word we're going to kind of focus in on that's relatively straightforward. It's about hearing and listening to instruction. But it challenges some cherished parts of who we are. So I want to unpack this a little bit tonight, and I want to start with its opposite. And its opposite we found actually last week in Proverbs chapter 3, which said in verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. This is the natural way to be wise in our own eyes. This is the natural tendency. Proverbs 21, 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the heart. Why why is this our tendency? To be right in our own eyes. Why is this kind of the way that we normally walk? It's because we're all partial to ourselves. Even if we struggle with self-loathing. And with really a lack of acceptance of who God has made us to be. And I, I grant that that's a real issue for many of us in this room. Maybe the majority. There is still a very real sense in which we're deeply partial to ourselves. We have a sense that we... We know, or we like to think that we know what's right. We think that we know what we need and what we want, and we think we know what's good for us, and we usually think that we know the best way to getting it. So this is more of what it means to be wise in our own eyes. And what being wise in our own eyes does, first and foremost, is it shuts down our ability to listen or to hear. I'm the father of four relatively young children, ages three, five, seven, and 11. And one of my children, who I should leave unnamed for purposes of this illustration, uh, when we are instructing him, uh, (laughs) if you don't know me, I haven't given anything away. Um, One of the habits that he has developed is to do this. And it's a great picture of what it means to be wise in your own eyes. And it shuts you down to listening to instruction, correction, rebuke, teaching, and and all of those things. And we all do it. We all have our own way of doing what he does in his innocence and, I should say, sinfulness. Um, We all share that same desire not to listen. And so we shut down. The way of a fool, verse 15, chapter 12, is right in his own eyes. Now, that means that basically the way of a fool, most people could look at and say, that's foolish. But in his own eyes, it looks right. But a wise man listens to advice. Hears. Listens. We shut things down. And this is the epitome in the book of Proverbs of folly. In fact, there is no greater picture of folly. And I'll prove this to you in just a moment. But listen in, in chapter 1 to some of these words about those who don't listen. Because I have called, this is wisdom speaking to the youth. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, I've stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. 
the kind of heart of folly is to shut down and block the ear. Same thing with the youth in chapter 5 who goes off to an adulteress and ends up finding that his life is going to be taken from him. He says, as he kind of comes to his senses in verse 12 of chapter 5, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. A proverb many of you will know, verse, chapter 14, verse 12, and 1625, it's the same in both cases. There is a way that seems right to a man. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but its end is the way to death. This always leads us down the path of folly and delivers the fruits of folly, which are death itself. Proverbs 29.1. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck. He doesn't hear. Wise in his own eyes. Will suddenly be broken beyond healing. That this kind of folly leads us to this place of, of deep hurt and pain. And death and destruction. Now, I said I'd show you why this is the, the, the epitome of folly. And I think this is important just to say. So Proverbs 26 begins to kind of lay out all the, 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 the folly of a fool. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet, drinks violence. Like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is one who, who gives honor to a fool. So on and so forth. Like a dog who, that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Then verse 12, it shifts. And here's where it kind of captures us in this kind of wise in our own eyes. It says this. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? This may be the only time, I think it is, in the whole book of Proverbs that it says there's hope for a fool. Because here's what he says. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So the whole 11 verses leading up to this The way of a fool is awful, terrible, despicable. But then, see a man who's wise in his own eyes? That's even worse. That's kind of the epitome of folly. So this is the opposite of our word tonight. Hear. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Hearing is not just an act of audible hearing and listening, but it's an act of taking on board and of doing and of applying to one's life. It's a kind of a holistic way of understanding. And at its essence, it's being open to input. Being open to input. This isn't, let me be clear, this isn't being gullible. Proverbs 14, 15, the simple believes everything. Like every infomercial that comes on and for 1995 promises you something for nothing. Well, for 1995. This isn't about being gullible. It's not about taking on, there's so much chatter in the world. There's so much noise in the world. There's so much calling for your heart and trying to convince your mind. And so here is not about being gullible. It's also not about just gathering praise around us. And and here's what I mean by that. I, I once knew a leader who was strong and gifted in lots of ways, but Anytime anyone criticized him for anything that he had done, anytime anyone stood up and said, you know what, I think what you're doing here is off track and off base, 
that person would very quickly find themselves on the outer circle and not on the inner circle. The inner circle would be filled with people who said yes, with people who said, yes, you're doing the right thing. Yes, this sounds good. Yes, this is what you should do. There's a great biblical example of this right in 1 Kings 12 when Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, takes the throne after Solomon dies. And then he goes and he listens to the old, the old wise sages. And they say, because the people said, look, your father was hard on us and he tried to extract things from us. Please make it easier. And the old counselors say, you know what? If you just take it easy on, on your people, they'll be your servants forever. And then he goes and he listens to the young people, his friends. And friends, most, a lot of the times, friends will tell you what they, want, what you, they think you want to hear. And the friends say, you know what? Don't, don't listen to those old guys. They don't know what they're talking about. Tell them that your little finger is thicker than your father's thigh. And that you're going to make their, their, their life even harder. And so it says he rejected the counsel of the old. He listened to his friends who told him that this would make you great and strong and good. And so he exercises their advice and it leads to the division of the kingdom of Israel and the tragic history that falls from there. It all starts in this moment of gathering those who would just say what we want them to hear. So it's not being gullible. It's not kind of getting praise around you, but it's an inner disposition that I would say says two primary things about hearing. It says first that I have a lot to learn. I have a lot to learn. Are you in that category? Saying, I have a lot to learn. And it says, second, I might be wrong. I might be wrong about some of the things I hold most dearly in my life. I've got a lot to learn, and I might be wrong. It's a kind of humility. It's a kind of teachability that represents a disposition and a posture of our hearts. And leads us to listen and to hear. The opposite again, verse, eight, verse 2 of chapter 18. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. Those who love to hear, who love to learn, those who know they might be wrong will be slow to speak. And quick to listen, to take advice and counsel on board. And we don't just listen, as I said before, to all the chatter, but what are we kind of honing in on? We're honing in on the word of God, on God's word, and on cosmic wisdom. So it's true that God's word from cover to cover doesn't cover every example, every area, every possibility, but there is a kind of way of cosmic wisdom that the book of Proverbs is opening and ushering us into. And that's what we're tuning our hearts to. So Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in what? It's in the law, the Torah, the instruction of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. It's this orientation and disposition to hearing and listening for God's word. This word, yes. But also his wisdom worked out through his spirit through others in our lives. And it's interesting in the book of Proverbs, this comes often through parents. And that's the whole metaphor is this instruction of a father lecturing his son, about 10 or 12 lectures. The importance of parents and their, equi uh, their equality in a sense or equi they're equated in the book of Proverbs with divine authority and teaching. 
That's why it says, hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Or listen to your mother's teaching. In Israelite society, the parents' authority was was essentially the same as God's authority. To instruct and teach and root and drill down the truth of God into the hearts of the children. It says something deeply about the problems of today. To be quite honest, where the family is so weak when you see how important the role of a parent is in God's people in the Old Testament. So it comes through parents, but it also comes through the wise. It comes through counselors. And yes, it even comes through friends. One of my favorite Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Rehoboam's friends were kissing him as enemies. True friends wound you, speak God's wisdom to you, rebuke you. And a wise person who hears will listen to to God's wisdom through any, any avenue. Won't go there, but Genesis 39, the story of Judah and Tamar, which is a tough story. At the end, he listens to the rebuke that Tamar gives to him, his daughter-in-law. Balaam, Numbers 22, listens to God's wisdom being given to him through his own donkey. Which is, in a sense, a way of God saying, look, don't think you're so important as a prophet. I can speak through a donkey. And the wise who are hearing and listening for God's instruction will take it from any source, not just from the source that's over them. That's really important. But from people that they might think are under them or less important than they are. A donkey. Because they're so eager and desiring to learn, to take on board instruction, to be corrected. And obviously this this hearing requires a lot of discernment. There's a lot of noise. It requires a lot of discernment in our lives. Is what I'm hearing actually promoting love? Does it honor and respect the stamp of the image of God upon every man, woman, and child? And therefore, is this advice, is this instruction kind of promoting mercy and justice and forgiveness and compassion? The fruit of this hearing is flourishing, as we've seen all along in this series. The fruit of it is to flourish. In Psalm 1, this man that listens and delights in the instruction of God is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Or in Proverbs 3, don't forget my teaching. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. This psalm that we read tonight, Psalm 81, where where God is talking to the people of God and he's saying, look, if you would just listen to me, you're not listening to me. Open your mouth wide and I would fill it. But you've shut your ears. I would bring blessing. I would bring contentment. I would bring peace. Many of you know or knew Fred Harburg, who was a part of this community and on our parish council. Fred travels the globe and, and coaches executives in pretty massive companies. And Fred has told me many times over the last several years, Mark, the number one indicator of an executive's ability to do good work in his or her company is what I call, this is him talking, what I call learning agility. Which is to say somebody who hears instruction, who learns from the past, who takes on board new data and then adapts 
him or herself to that new data to, pro- to progress forward. It's a kind of good picture of this same type of posture that Fred's experience would say, this actually bears fruit in the practical, down, nit- nitty-gritty part of your life in all kinds of ways. All right, so here we go to finish. What's the test? How do you know if you're a person who hears, a person who's kind of oriented in this way or not? And I want to give you the test. There may be several ways, but I want to give you one test from the book of Proverbs that is so consistent throughout the whole book of Proverbs that it can't be denied as an important test. How do I know that I'm one who hears? And here's the simple test. Proverbs 9, verses 7 through 9. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. What's the test? How do you receive rebuke? Do you receive rebuke, correction, instruction in your life? Are you willing to hear in the middle of a heated argument, perhaps with your spouse? One of the first questions I'll ask a couple if they're in a a difficulty in marriage, if one of them has come to me, and the first question I'll ask is, so where are you wrong? We're so quick to point out where everybody else is. Where where, Where are you? Are we willing to hear, to kind of put ourselves under the microscope and see where we have gone wrong? Are we willing to receive rebuke and instruction? Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. That's Proverbs 12.1. Speaks quite plainly. Whoever heeds reproof is honored. Proverbs 13.18. 15.31. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. And here's the question. It's not just... Do you listen to reproof when somebody has the courage and the guts to get up in your face and kind of with trepidation and fear, slightly and gently try to correct you? It's the question of, are you the kind of person who's inviting and welcoming and and seeking the feedback and rebuke and input of others around you, maybe your friends that you can trust to wound you, maybe people who are over you in the workplace, maybe trusted mentors that you have in your life, that you're willing to seek them out and not just wait for somebody and get the courage up to come and speak to you about something that you're off track, but are you actually seeking that kind of reproof and instruction in your life? The book of Proverbs would have us move in that direction to grow up in wisdom and would say, be a person who seeks out feedback, correction, and instruction. And in so doing, you will grow in the way of living well. You'll be like one who hears. So here's a question for us, Dana. Do you want to be right? We love to be right. We spill lots of blood just to be right. Or do you want to flourish? And in a sense, Proverbs is putting these two things against one another and saying, yeah, I know you cherish being right. Son, daughter, but I want you to cherish life. I want you to flourish. And is that so important to you that you're willing to be told that you're wrong? 
to receive it, to hear it, to take it on board, and to amend your ways in a new direction. Why don't we like to say that we're wrong? Because something about being wrong suggests that I am wrong, suggests that there's something deficient about me, right? Isn't that our big embarrassment? When somebody has to reprove me, it's because it says there's a weakness, there's a need in me, and I don't want that need, and I don't want that weakness to be exposed to you. Man, I don't want that to be exposed. Because I'm afraid you won't like me. I'm afraid you won't accept me. The gospel of Jesus deals with our deepest parts of our hearts that lead us down the path of being wise in our own eyes. And I would put to you that those are relational shame parts that have to do with social realities. But the reality of the cross is that Jesus and God love you, care for you. They've washed over you. God has embraced you so that now you don't have to be afraid of being wrong anymore. Ever. And you can become the kind of person strengthened and rooted and deepened in the love of God for you in Jesus that says, please rebuke me. Please correct me. Please instruct me. Because I love, I am loved by my Father and I want to live alive. I want to be alive. I want to live for him. I want to grow. I want to flourish. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Amen.